So if it wasn't for AT&T and Apple, I definitely would have overslept today. Because <laughs> my alarm was going off. I'm like, this is wrong. My clock clearly says I have another hour. Lies. Lies. I was deceiving myself. Well, we are continuing on in the, the stages of belief, the sermon series that we started last week. And uh, before we get into it, I want to introduce to you a, a theological term. I'm going to take a moment and teach you a, a, a deep theological truth. All right. I actually am for once. Um, the term is progressive sanctification. Progressive sanctification. The, the word sanctification means to set apart, to make sacred, to make holy. And progressive means to incrementally move towards something. And that's really what this series is about. So if you've ever heard the term progressive sanctification, that's what this is. This is the idea of starting in one place, being a seeker, and then moving on towards being a fully devoted follower of Christ. And that's really what this is about. So if you've ever heard that term, that's what it's talking about. And this is what we're doing. We're just not using that term specifically. So what are the stages that we're talking about? We're, we're talking about seeker. And last week, uh, Pastor Eric gave a great message on seeker, and he actually talked about uh, Zacchaeus and, and the idea that Zacchaeus was a seeker and how Jesus interacted with him. And if you haven't heard that message, I, I encourage you to go back online. You can pull up all of our old messages online and listen to that one. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking about being a new believer. And um, obviously, I'll talk more about that in a few moments. And then Next week, we're going to be talking about being a growing believer, and a growing believer is someone who reads scripture, prays, can hear the Holy Spirit for themselves consistently, and is engaged in the church community through consistent presence and service. And then we're going to, our last week, so in two weeks, we're going to be talking about being a fully surrendered follower of Christ, someone who has given Jesus full control of their times, talents, treasures, and plans. We need to find out a, a T word for plans. Templates? I don't know. That way we could go with the four T's instead of three T's and a P. So these are thoughts that go through my head. I'm sorry. So today we're talking about being a new believer. And, and I really, the one of my favorite verses, and I, I as I was writing that sta statement, one of my favorite verses, I caught myself, I'm like, I seem to be writing that a lot lately. And some of you, lately, and some of you guys are like, well, you're a pastor. Of course you're going to have a lot of favorite verses. But it's fun when you get to preach a verse that really means something to you. And so today we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 5.17, and it reads like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So what I really love about this verse, and there's, there's so much here. That actually, you can preach three weeks just on this verse alone. And I'm not going to preach three weeks right now. We have to go to work tomorrow. So the idea here is anyone, anyone, this doesn't mean that this, this opportunity to be a new creation is exclusive. Any person, be it, I don't know how else to say, but anyone, we can't exclude anyone with the opportunity to hear and receive this awesome good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for their sins. And as a new believer, that's something that you've entered into. That's something that you believe. That's something that is a part of your life. You are a new creation. And that's the second part. He's a new creation. The old has passed away and the old has come. Being a new creation doesn't mean that we're perfect. Being a new creation is, for this, it's a, it's a work in progress. This doesn't, and this doesn't just mean turning over a new leaf or, or getting your act together. 
Yet the life of a new creation is not something that we can do for ourselves. It's something that God can do. You cannot form yourself into a new creation. You can try and do changes on an outward, and maybe you can try and change some of your habits, but to truly be a spiritually new creation, and that's what we're talking about, that only happens through Jesus Christ. That only happens through the forgiveness of sins. That only happens through the grace that we're given. There's, a, there's this gentleman named Clark, and he put it this way. Man, the man is not only mended, he is made new. There is a new creation, which God himself owns as his, wor- as his own workmanship, in which he can look at and pronounce very good. And this idea of new creation harkens back all the way to Genesis, when, he, when Jesus, or not Jesus, when God said, and he was creating everything, he says, it is good. Think about that. When you become a new creation, God can say that over you, it is good. That's something awesome. That's something cool. That's something exciting when you get this idea of being a new creation. You see, when we get something new, we get excited about it. I mean, how many times in the now in the Facebook culture, I mean, Christmas, oh my gosh, people post thousands of pictures of, oh, I got this for Christmas. Oh, I got this. This is so awesome. I got that. I mean, we, pay, we, we post pictures of our food because we're excited about it. Like, this looks so delicious. I'm going to share this with everyone and make them hungry. You know, and it's like, please don't. I mean, I'm hungry as it is. I'm a big guy. I don't need your food pictures. But we get excited when something's new. I mean, I've never owned a new car, and this is not a a complaint. I, I just, I never have. But every time I've purchased a new used car, I've been excited about it. I've gone and I've shown people this car. They, they really don't care about it, but I'm excited. And what I'm trying to get across is when we're a new creation, something new has happened to us, there's a level of excitement. And so because of that excitement, we should be challenged. We should feel a desire. We should feel a need to express that newness to someone else. We should be challenged by that. We should be encouraged to do it. And so as we look at this idea, a new believer is someone who has new life in Christ and is learning how to live an empowered life on Jesus' mission. So as we've been going through this, this idea, uh, these stages, we, we want to challenge you with, with what are some next steps for you, and also we want to warn you against some barriers. So what are some next steps that you can take if you count yourself as a new believer, as you count yourself as someone who has entered into this this idea of learning how to live an empowered life on Jesus' me- mission, not message, mission, what can we do? What is the next step? So uh, we're going to read Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 62. And about this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull in hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguishing good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of instruction about washing, in laying on of hands the resurrection of the dead 
and internal judgment. So your first next step, the first next step is cultivate. Cultivate. And, the and to, to define cultivate, it means to nurture, to develop, to farm. My grandfather um, had an incredible vegetable garden. This thing was impressive. This was a huge area, and he took time to really just grow this garden. He, his father was, was a farmer, and so um, he, took, he had that knowledge passed down to him by watching his, his father do it. And, and I aspire to, um, to one day have a garden, probably not as majestic and as glorious as his. I, I've tried a couple smaller ones and failed spectacularly, but, but this idea to cultivate, to grow, to nurture, is something that we are called to do to help us grow to that next step, help to grow to that next level. You see, the important thing when you grow is you have to work. You have to put the work in. You can't just run up to some grass, throw some seed on it, and expect to have tomato plants. You can't just, you know, run around and be like, oh, I want green beans. So you throw a couple green beans. It's not going to happen because you haven't put the work in. You have to cultivate the ground. You have to till it. You have to pull out the weeds. You have to, if there's big goonies or rocks, whatever you guys want to call them, you have to pull those out because you don't want that to be a problem. And so you work it. You prepare the, the soil. And if you don't, it, it won't work. And then you have to also think about what you're planting because certain plants need certain nutrients and, and some plants you don't want to put beside each other because you have a thing called cross-pollination. And then you don't want your spicy peppers to cross-pollinate with your bell peppers because that turns really spicy. And if you go to bite into a bell pepper and you're thinking it's a bell pepper and it's a spicy pepper, I'm not saying that's ever happened, but it's a situation that you're not prepared for. So what I'm trying to say is it takes preparation. We need to cultivate. Hebrews 5.11b says this, You have become dull in hearing. Being dull of hearing isn't a problem with our ears. Being dull of hearing is a problem with our hearts. You see, the hear isn't really interested in what God has to say. It's a desire for us not, it's a, I, I've said this a couple times in prayers, Lord, help us not to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And that's exactly what, what the writer of Hebrews is trying to challenge these, the, the people he's writing to. He's saying, hey, you guys need to, need to stop being so hard of hearing when it comes to the things of God. You need to start putting the things of God into work in your life. The word become is important. It, it indicates that they didn't start out dull of hearing, but they became that way. In the book of James, he talks about working on your salvation. And what the, in James, what he's trying to say is that we need to be active in our faith. We need to be active in studying. We need to be active in serving. We need to be active in listening. In other words, we need to dig deeper into the Word. We need to take steps of faith. We need to take steps of faith that we may not think we're ready for, but like things like tithing and really trusting our finances over to God. We need to trust the Lord and take steps of faith, like being involved in church, serving at the hospitality table, serving as a greeter, serving as a service host, serving in kids' church. Ooh. But in all seriousness, we really do need help in kids' church. 
So if you'd like to help out in Kids Church, Pastor Tim would really, really love for you to come and talk to him about helping in Kids Church. They have fun down there. We hear them. So this is me specifically asking you to think about volunteering in Kids Church. All right, my PSA is over. So our first next step is cultivate. Our second next step is to teach. Our next step is to teach. Hebrews 5, verse 12, the first half of it reads like this. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Oracles is just a fancy word of saying teachings and things of that nature. I know people see oracles and they're like, whoa. No, it's just teachings. The writer of Hebrews is kicking them in the pants here. The writer of Hebrews here is actually, like the language he's using, he's like, come on now. You really need to get your act together. The writer here is trying to get them to see that there is a next step that they need to take. But they've become stuck. They've become in a rut. When the writer here is talking about being a teacher, they're not calling for someone to teach as in like I'm teaching right now or like Pastor Eric teaches or when, when Pastor Frayne teaches up here or even leading a life group like Pastor Frayne does and, and, and Nancy does and, and the other people in our church that lead life groups. It's not speaking of that type of teacher specifically. What it's talking about is the idea that we need to teach in general. Oh, think about it this way. How do you learn some things? Like, how did you learn how to do laundry? I learned how to do laundry from my mom. My mom, there was, I was getting ready to go to college. I knew that I didn't know how to do laundry. And I told my mom that, well, probably she probably prodded me or kicked me in the pants a little bit more than me asking for help. Let's just be honest. And she took me, and she took me downstairs because the laundry room in my parents' house is in the basement, and all the family's laundry was sitting before me. And she was like, and she was like, okay, now we need to separate the clothes. You don't just, just grab a handful and throw it in the washer. No, no, you have to separate the clothes because you don't want red towels and white t-shirts to go into the same laundry because you end up with pink t-shirts. You don't think about this stuff. Like, but it's because I was taught that I know that red towels do not go with white t-shirts. She didn't pull out a blackboard. She didn't hand me notes. She didn't start, you know, lecturing me on how old Tide is and all the chemical composition of Tide and how it interacts with water to create suds and suds. And no, she took time to teach me. And she taught me by going down and saying, all right, here's all the clothes. I'm going to stand here, and I'm going to help you separate all the clothes into the separate piles. And then we're going to take the clothes, and you're going to put them in there. And then in about 25 minutes, we're going to come downstairs. And some of that clothes gets hung up. Some of it ends up in the dryer. And it's important to know that so that you don't end up with a belly shirt. <laughs> so what I'm trying to get across is this idea that when we talk about teaching, this is what I'm talking about. When it comes about this faith, when it comes about what we're supposed to do as a next step, we are called to teach. And I know some of us, that scares us because we think that we don't have the knowledge. We think that we don't know what we have. 
But remember, Paul teaches, and I believe it's in the book of Corinthians, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. And that's really what this is calling us to do. This is calling us to lead others as we follow Christ. It's an opportunity for us to grow. It's an opportunity for us to learn again. And see, that's what also in this passage it talks about. It talks about this idea that he says we don't need to go over these things again and again and again. And the great thing about teaching is that when you teach, you're relearning all those original things over and over again. Because when you're teaching someone else those first steps, you're being reminded of those first steps. When you're teaching someone how to do something, you're like, all right, these are the steps that you do them. And then sometimes the conversation begins and you think, all right, well, I remember when I was taught this, it didn't work exactly this way, so this is what I tried. It's a moment of constant conversation. It's constant learning. It's that constant, as I had a professor in college say over and over again, repetition is the key to learning. Repetition is the key to learning. Repetition is the key to learning. And as we learn by teaching, you're repeating those same things. So you don't need to be taught fresh. You don't need to be taught anew because you are teaching. There's, there's the old saying, you know, when you teach, watch what I do, then we work together, then I watch as you do, now you go teach someone else. So as we continue on in this idea, we, as we move on in this theme, those are the, our, two, our two next steps, if you will. So let's talk about barriers to growth, barriers to us moving on to, to our next stage. And the first barrier is food. First barrier is food. Hebrews 5, 12, the second half of 12 in the first part of four, through the first part of 14 reads like this. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is still a child. But solid food is for the mature. Nutrition. If you aren't eating the right things, you get bad results. When you... As the saying goes, you are what you eat. And some of you might be like, well, I don't look like ice cream. You look like ice cream. <laughs> and when it comes to a new believer, this applies to us as well. You are what you eat. You see, the, the writer here compares the readers to children. In the King James Version, he actually calls them babies. He says, you're still babies. And babies are great. They're cute. But if you keep giving baby milk, they're never going to properly grow. They're never going to properly have that nu nutrition that they need. You see, Peter teaches in the, in the epistles that, that babies crave pure milk, which is great. It's a stepping stone. It's that starting point. It's where we begin, but we need to move on. And this is why it's a barrier, because so often we're afraid to move. We're afraid to take that next step. You know, and we're not called to be academics, but we, all, we are all called to be theologians. We are called to be people of, of the word, people that study. You know, the word theologian means that they study the nature of God. So we are called to do that. And we need to get beyond pop Christianity. We need to challenge ourselves to dig deeper. We can't rely just on hearing other people teach. That's important. It is, it is very important to, to be involved in church. I'm not saying not to do that. 
So listen to what I say. There's an opportunity for us to learn by being taught, but there's also an opportunity for us to learn as we read and dig deeper ourselves. You know, maybe this year, if you find yourself as in the stage of new believer and you want to go towards growing, maybe you need to challenge yourself and maybe it's time to go purchase a study Bible. And so as you're studying the Word, you're reading the study notes below and you're learning something new. Or, or maybe it's just a time to challenge yourself to read the whole Bible. Maybe you've just been a, a Matthew, Mark, Luke, John type of person, which is fine, but now it's time to maybe move on to the epistles, which are the letters written by apostles to the churches, which is the whole other half of the New Testament. Or maybe it's time to really challenge yourself and step up your game and go after the, the prophets of the Old Testament. Talk about some crazy stories. But they're fun because you learn about God. You learn about what he's doing in and amongst Israel. Or you could even go all the way back and let's do the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, and just read the history of God in Israel. It's time for us to maybe step it up, and maybe it's time for us to really challenge ourselves. You see, when you value, when you value something, you invest in it. I mean, Pastor Eric talked about this, I think it was two or three sermon series ago with the cones. And, and he's warned several times, don't make him bring out the cones again. But it's this idea that what we value, we spend time on. What's important to you, you will make time to do. See, as we talk about nutrition, there's a difference between fast food and homemade food. You see, when you eat fast food, that, that burger from McDonald's or, or Wendy's, Let's be honest, Wendy's is a better burger. When you eat that burger from Wendy's, that's a totally different hamburger than, you want, than the one you make at home. And I'm not going to be like, because it's made with love. No, because it's made with better products. But you take time. And who here has ever eaten fast food? And literally an hour later, you've eaten like, like two of those junior bacon cheeseburgers. You ate a whole fry. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Like I, an hour later, I'm starved because fast food doesn't fill you up. But homemade food, how many here has ever eaten, eaten less food but been more full? That's what this is calling us to do. And then there's those moments like Thanksgiving or Christmas, you eat a feast, and you're like, you're like you need to push back the table. You're like, I'm glad I wore stretchy pants today. When was the last time you felt like that from reading the Word of God? When was the last time you felt like that when you heard a teaching that you're like, whoa, I am so full, I need to take time to digest. It's time to take a nap. That's really where we should be at when it comes to nutrition. Fast food is great every once in a while, but you can't live off it. It doesn't end well. It just doesn't. Last barrier is fear, and I'm going to kind of move through this one quickly. Fear. For those, the last part of Hebrews chapter 5 into 6 to for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil, therefore let us leave elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance of good works or of faith towards God and of instructions about washings and laying on of hands and resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Fear, maybe doubt's a better way to say it, keeps us from moving on to the next step. Fear will hold us back. 
on the next step, on the next steps, I, I challenged us that we need to be teachers. And honestly, a lot of us won't teach because we're afraid. We're afraid of questions. Because we feel like if we're teaching, we need to have all the answers. You know, there's there's a portion of this scripture that said, it says up there, it says, instructions about washings. And some of you might have been like, instructions about washings? I'll be honest, I spent a day and a half studying about washings and what this passage meant. But you know what? Something I learned a long time ago, the, the hold button is your friend. I worked in a call center for a little while, and they taught me the hold button is your friend because if someone asks you a question on the phone that you don't know the answer to, you place them on hold so that you can go find out. The fear of not knowing, the fear of not having the answers, you need to not be afraid of the words, I don't know. But I'll go try and find out. That's how you're going to combat the fear. That's how you're going to move beyond this barrier of fear is being having the knowledge that I might not have the answer, but I will seek it out. You see, we need to move beyond letting fear control us. Two of my, um, two of my favorite uh, verses, I'm not going to, there's this idea, there's this verse that says, I believe, but help my unbelief. And also, it's impossible to please God without faith. Those are summarizations. So how do those apply to fear? Well, sometimes we struggle and we don't know exactly everything that we believe. But we do know that we believe. So we need to trust God and move forward. And then also, sometimes we just need to have faith that God's going to give us the right answer. That God's going to lead us to the person that will help us. So we need to combat that. So as I, as I move into the conclusion of this, of to this morning, have you ever built a puzzle? When you play in a puzzle, you get this box, and you open up the box, and you dump all the pieces out on a table. And then you take an hour, half hour, and you flip all the pieces over so that all the picture portion is facing up. And then you take and you push everything out to the edges, and you prop up that box photo, and you look at it, and you start working on the edge. And now while you're working on the edge, there might be people that come in to help you. There could be that one kid that puts one piece of puzzle in, and he's like, I did this, and like run back and watch TV, and said that he helped with the puzzle. But you work on the puzzle together. And you know the great thing about working on a puzzle because you're stuck at a table for five, six, seven days while you're working on it? You're having conversations. You're talking. You're conversing. That's what this is. This life, this new believer life, it's a puzzle. You're slowly putting the pieces together. You're slowly working towards the picture of Christ. Because a Christian is a little Christ. We are, we are trying, we're, we're aiming. Our goal through being sanctified is to be like Christ. This life's a puzzle. And to, make, to help put those pieces together, we need, to, we need to first, we need to know that we need to cultivate. We need to work on it. That puzzle is not going to put itself together by just throwing it on the table. We need to cultivate. We need to work. We need to teach. There's some of us that, that have this great ability to put words or make things make sense with how we tell them. Well, you're doing a puzzle. You're teaching. You know, we need to have the right food. We need to challenge ourselves to, 
to nourish ourselves with the right things. And then we need to fight fear. Some of us will never do a thousand-piece puzzle because we're scared to death of it. I, I won't do it because I hate puzzles and I get mad and throw pieces. But, but we need to fight fear. We're going into a time of communion right now, and as we do, I want you to take some time and I want you to really think about where you're at. As you think about this, uh, and during communion, towards after you, you take some time and you do some self-reflection, even you could do this later in the week, there's a place on our on elementlife.com, it's called Next Steps, and there's several things on there that we put up this week is, what is your next step as a new believer, or even if you, you just need to re-challenge yourself to do some of these next steps, go ahead and you can read those and you can take one, or if there's one that you 